The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. And this is the early bowl edition of the Dream Preview with an expanded Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, Brad Powers, all the college knowledge. To my in front of me, Steve Fezzik. And Fez, by the way, let's be clear, not a college expert, but you got the balls to come in these sharp infested waters. Also, Ken Thompson, a college expert, no doubt about that. And Maddie Holt saying, I've been killing it so much in the, in the NFL. I'm here to take more Brad's money. You scared, Brad? No. <laughs> so are you thinking like finally we're like we're in my like almost like you've been uh, playing tennis on clay and it's not your surface <laughs> and you're sampras and now you're on grass yep that's all you got to say yep bring it on no you way. guys didn't want no. to bring it on last week i have no bets <laughs> no bets. maddie i maddie does have balls let's see if he's gonna bring it bring that ball into my court <laughs> speaking of last week I'm Brad Bowers. I'll give credit to my, uh, I would say, compatriots here on the podcast, but no bets last week. No one wanted to go up against me. Why? Because I'm up 1970 bucks for the year. You're not very well liked, are you? No. <laughs> Fez. Hi, I'm Fezzik. I went one and two. I lost $400 last week in my cumulative to date. I'm down $1,050. It's gone from a rescue to a recovery mission. <laughs> Ken. Hi, I'm Ken Thompson, and I was one and one last week. Uh, however, RJ must have misheard me. I said Memphis first half, not for the game, but uh, that was the loss there. Now, Central Florida got me big in the second half, but I did uh, get a little money back from Fezzik with Stanford over Cal. Lost 200 for the week, down 420 for the year. I had a perfect week, 2-0, and no losers. Another way to say it is perfection for RJ. Showtime! All right, guys, we're going to do a couple things here. One, everyone's given a college early bird best bet. Also, we're going to talk a few macro handicapping concepts. But first, let's put a bow on the championship weekend because I think there's some lingering topics. And Ken, you have a conspiracy theory about Georgia and the fake punt. I do. I mean, when I watch that replay over and over again, it almost reminds me of New England versus the Rams, where they kind of knew every Ram play the first 14 out of the uh, out of the gate there. And people said, well, they had somebody there taking in that Ram practice. I don't know. Saban, smart. There's a connection there. Somewhere there was a mole because it's one thing to fake a punt. But when you fake a punt in a tie football game with a champion spot, championship spot on the line, especially for Georgia. There was a good chance Alabama was still going to make it even if they lost. But for Georgia, it was all or nothing. And so the risk of fake punt, you have to be pretty sure that you're going to get it. And not only did they not get it, this thing was smelled out in three different phases. I saw uh, Fields, when he initially went to roll left, that was taken away. When he came back, he was going to throw that ball. There was a receiver doing a curl pattern down the middle of the field. That guy was blanketed. I mean, normally this guy's just flying down to cover the punt. Who's going to know that he's going to curl to the middle of the field, tightly covered there? And then, of course, Fields trying to gut it up the middle. And there were two other guys right there. So to me, it kind of looked like somebody knew what was going on in the most opportune time to fake a punt. When do you do that? When nobody in the world expects it. And everybody watching that game at home, there is nobody that would have ever thought that Georgia would have faked it. They would have said, let's pin Alabama yeah. deep and see what we can do, RJ. Thoughts? Alabama had their defense out there, so they even knew prior that, that the possibility would be out there. So but, why doesn't Georgia call a timeout there? I don't know. I, like, I can see try. going out saying if they don't, if they're not in safe or whatever, let's go, you know, go for it. Fez, you're the master of in-game critiques. 
What do you think? I think that the players have to be given more responsibility where the coach calls a play and they have to not be afraid to like realize. So the coach can call the timeout. Yeah, but the players also can call a timeout. Yeah, I mean, that seems crazy. RJ, it's if not a coach, fourth and four. It's a fourth and 12. I agree, but if the coach can call a timeout, why would the players call a timeout? It's not like they're seeing something the coach can't see, mm. right? I wouldn't, I mean, I'm a pretty assertive guy, but I'd figure my coach knows better than me. Imagine if you call timeout there and you were wrong. Oof. Yeah, so I agree with you in general. What Belichick does, you might remember, I think it was Chung had a, what's it been, maybe four years ago, there was a fake punt against Baltimore. Man, there was a game they lost in the playoffs. There was a fake punt call, and it was like, in this situation, that's his decision. And Belichick was like, hey, this is how we win. This is how we lose. So I agree. And again, pros next level. Um, what do we know about Alabama, Brad, that we didn't know last week? Meaning, at a given point in the game, they were what, about 40% to win? Yeah, 40% in game. We didn't, didn't expect that, right? So no. what was it? Well, uh, I mean, Nick Saban kind of touched on it in the post game. For whatever reason, the last three weeks, Alabama's been flat coming into these games. Very slow starts, which has not been the case because for the first 10 weeks of the season, Alabama had been arguably the best first half team in the history of college football. Even a minute, he doesn't understand his, his players have been relatively flat each of the last three weeks. Maybe Ken's theory about, what was it, the Citadel being uh, a sign of something? It was, <laughs> uh, I didn't think it was true, but maybe it is. RJ, and of course, Georgia did the same thing in the championship game last year, and I said they would not be intimidated. A lot of these kids know each other from school, and Georgia took it to them again. Unfortunately for Georgia, they're just not a closer, and for the second year in a row, in a game they probably should have won, they found a way to lose. Now, does OU... Oh, so wait a minute. So oh, has OU played Alabama recently in the playoffs? Mm. They no, did. last time okay. they played them was 13 season. Okay. But they so, did play Georgia last year and probably should have won that game. They played one of the best first halves you'll ever see Oklahoma play. Did you have something? No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I get it. Maybe we should be concerned. Alabama finally played maybe a legit team and we're down and underdog and win the game. I kind of have a different take. I got to respect Alabama. First time all season, they're in this spot. I mean, they've been killing teams. You're down 14 points in the second half and there wasn't any panic. Your quarterback goes out and you still win the game over arguably a top three, four team. I came away impressed last 20 minutes. There wasn't of the any game. panic. Did you see Saban sweating on the sidelines? I will give credit to Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts wasn't one That's of these. That's very kind of you. Well, yeah. no, not one of these. <laughs> sniveling little babies that just transfer like Bryant did from Clemson as soon as he loses his starting job. And Hurts stayed. And what did he do? He worked on where he was deficient, throwing the football. He made two beautiful passes. I'm happy for the kid. As much as I despise Bama, very happy for Jalen Hurts. He deserves it. And again, Georgia found a way to lose. And for the second game, Georgia-Bama, I mean, a relief quarterback comes in and uh, changes the fortunes for Bama. And uh, they deserved it. Oklahoma makes it. Ohio State doesn't. Here's a question I'm going to ask. Roundtable quick answers, and this is a yes or no. If Oklahoma had lost the game against Texas, Ohio State plays the identical game. They play Georgia, plays the identical game. Who gets in Ohio State or Georgia? Georgia, by the way, fifth, and Ohio State sixth. Ohio State gets in. Buckeyes get in. I agree. Ohio State gets in. Maddie, what do you think? Ohio State gets in. Okay, I agree. Now, I did a poll. It had like 5,000 votes. People went wild for this one. It was 51. It ended up 51% last time I looked. Georgia, 49%. Now, the fact we all think Ohio State, and I do too, tells you they knew the Buckeyes had some type of, uh, you know, complaint. I think, you know, sometimes it can be a close decision and a team has a complaint and you just want to mitigate it. You want to dampen it. And I think by making them six, Brad, you fell for it. I did fall for it. So your take was? It wasn't that close between Ohio State and Oklahoma. Heck, Georgia was still ahead of the Buckeyes. Yeah, that sounds like a haystack hang tag. That does. Man, I got to stop imitating. (laughs) (laughs) So to me, I think they were trying to diffuse the debate. Now, on the other hand, what I heard from the committee chairman on ESPN after, I mean, listen, obviously ESPN is in partnership right with college football they don't want to like be hard on them they're in partnership with the sec they developed the sec network yeah no doubt so i get they're not going to be too hardcore but when the playoff committee 
chairman said, we considered Notre Dame for fifth. <laughs> they literally, that meant that nothing they were going to say meant anything. Cause he wasn't going to say anything meaningful. Cause by saying, so where was that? Well, we were considering Notre Dame three, four or five is what he said. I mean, how could you rationalize Notre Dame at five? Can't do it. Think about it. If Mackey said that to you, RJ, he'd be like, um, go ahead and take a week off, Mackey. Come back next week and we'll we'll talk about your competency at this. <laughs> oh, or I'd say, Mackey, the mayor is pretty good dodging the question, right? Because that's really the job. Because the committee is telling us, we're not going to tell you anything. We're going to do what we want. And you got nothing to say about it. I don't give a care about what you got to say. And what do we do? Yes, sir. Be nice if, but again, that's where the problem is. Just like there's sports betting media companies who are in bed with sports books, literally broadcasting from their floor, but supposedly they're supposed to report on the sports book. Yeah. Okay. Or the idea that an ESPN who is supposed to be a news organization or Fox or whomever, it, the idea of the media company being in business and also reporting on the business. That's an inherent conflict with anyone. And, and some, I'm not saying ESPN does a particularly bad job of it. It's just that inherent conflict is unavoidable. And it felt like no one's really calling this committee to task. They don't have to answer any tough questions. And until they don't provide the guidelines, how can we really question? We don't well, really you, know we the can guidelines. Demand, we can demand yeah. the guidelines. That's, yes. the, that's the whole game. Don't provide the guidelines. How can you really argue? But I'm going to try because I'm going to shift gears. Ken, I've said this on Straight Out of Vegas. Brad agreed. Fez agreed. I want to see what you think. Did you like the rationale that Ohio State, because they lost by a big margin against Purdue, that that was a real negative mark? And that was probably the drive. If they had lost by a point to Purdue, I think Ohio State that certainly has a better chance of getting in, probably gets in. Do you think it's fair to say that big loss is why they didn't get in and you agree with it. Yes. Okay. So let me ask you a question. And that Oklahoma did avenge their only loss. Yeah, but that's a close one. But what I'm saying is just looking at it from the high state's perspective, mm-hmm. the, the the margin of loss mattered to you. It did for sure. All right. Imagine if we had a mic on Urban Meyer in that game against Purdue. And at a given point late in the game, they're down by, I don't know, 24 or whatever. And, but there's really no chance of Ohio State winning. Maybe there's four and a half minutes left. And if the Mikes heard Urban Meyer say, all right, guys, we can't win this game, but we got, we're going to break out our trick plays and we got to play really hard. Cause if we lose to Purdue by this many, we're going to be in trouble for the playoff. But if we can put two meaningless touchdowns on the board, then the score won't look so bad come December and we still got a chance. Let's go. Now, would that have sounded right? No. But really what you're saying and what the committee is saying is that's what Urban Meyer should have said. I'm thinking that uh, that that was part of the equation, RJ. And it Whoa, was, it was no, a big part. It was a big part, but also the game against Maryland, which but, but, was right let's, before let's Michigan. Forget, let's okay. forget everything else. Because, listen, Oklahoma barely beat Army. So if the debate's going to be the teams you barely beat, then we can. there's a long debate there. Okay. But let's just say it. Would we agree, Brad, that the main reason for the Ohio State naysayers was the margin against Purdue? No question about it. It's like eighty percent of it, right? Ninety percent of it. So what I'm saying is, does it make sense in that way that we're let? Because remember, back in the BCS, they stopped having the computer care about margin of victory beyond a certain point because they didn't want teams in a meaningless spot running up scores. Well, why would you want a team that's losing in a meaningless spot to care about margin that much? Cause it has no effect on who's going to win the game. Mm-hmm. And imagine the next level. And I want to get Maddie's thoughts on this. If you don't mind, imagine the next level, which is a team is down seven, let's say with four minutes left and it's fourth and six on their own 40 and game theory says, go for it. But they're thinking if we go for it and miss they're going to have a short field. Maybe they get a touchdown. We lose by 14 and that looks worse come December. So they, not that they're going to lose the game over it explicitly, but maybe they take 5% off of their winning chances to protect their downside, to protect getting blown out. Now it's like literally the, the integrity of the game from us integrity, Maddie is being affected. What do you think? 
Well, we see it already as we have to put reports together constantly on optics-related issues around integrity-based things. LSU versus Arkansas, perfect example. You know, LSU is a 13.5-point favorite. They're up seven. Uh, they're driving late. The running back, Brousset, breaks through the line. He kneels down at the five. Okay, if you kneel the ball the next play. Yeah. But they don't kneel the ball. So, same thing with the Rams, right? Sure, same thing with the Rams and Gurley, but the LSU one, you're not kneeling the ball. You continue to go for it, but you're running backs intentionally going to the ground. So what is the miscommunication here? The optics are bad. It calls into question integrity. And that's when we have to come in and do a deep dive. And just to do a slight variation on your example, RJ, you're down nine. There's two minutes to play. You have fourth and 20 on your own two. Yes. Clearly you have to go for it. That's a better example. But I don't want to lose by 16. I'll punt. Boy, that is a Mm -hmm. great. And to me, if it's gambling, if it's whatever, whenever your effort is not about winning the game, but something else, I think it goes against the integrity of the game. And to me, all the people cheering and that, that, oh, we don't want, and Brad had your stat that you said 1,713 times, but no national champions ever. It's like, I get it. It's an, it's a good stat you pulled, but it feels like we're not considering, and I haven't heard anyone discussing this. The flip side of what's the game theory if you're the next Urban Meyer and, and does, is that going to look right? Mm. You know, that, 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 that Fez is your example so much better. Why are they punting here? Well, you know, a little imagine little like that mean Joe Green kid, the little kid that got the jersey way back when going, Daddy, why is our team punting? Doesn't that mean we'll lose? Yeah, but we won't lose by 16, and that means we might win eventually, son. Lesson learned. (laughs) RJ, can I say just one other thing as far as the Ohio State-Oklahoma thing? They had one common opponent, TCU. Ohio State struggled mightily in that game where Oklahoma blew them out big time in Fort Worth. So, so, I mean, it seems like you agree with this, Ken. Is what was so the best win for OU was what? West Virginia? West Virginia. All right. How's that compared to the Michigan win? Uh, I think it's a better win. But when you look at <laughs> you tell me one team Michigan beat. Tell me one team Michigan beat that's worth a crap. Not one. They lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Ohio State. So what do you Those think are the only two teams they played that are worth a crap. What, what's Everybody, the, the Big Ten was down big time, RJ. This is one of the Wisconsin's. We can record, all these we can record teams, Ken saying this. All these teams in the Big Ten sucked this Penn year. Penn State's every bit as good as well. Are they really? Maybe last year's Penn State, not this year's. So on, in your power ratings, Brad, and again, these are the ones I trust. And Ken, you don't exactly do exact power ratings. Obviously, I trust your opinion. What do you have the difference between West Virginia and Michigan? Michigan minus six. True. Now, uh, I'll take it all day long. <laughs> Michigan could never catch up to West all right, Virginia. All right. So, Maddie, who, who do you got favored in that? I, I certainly think Michigan's favored over West Virginia, but I will say this that the, the Oklahoma win over West Virginia was on the road. And you, I mean, we see it in the net rankings in college basketball right now. Road, uh, road wins have to mean a little more than no, that's home fair. Wins. Okay. And then second best win for Ohio State is, is Penn State. Penn State on the road. And, and then it's, they beat Texas one out of two times on a neutral. Mm-hmm. And the other one was on a neutral and they lost by a field goal. Yeah. So they won one out of twice, exactly like I said. Is <laughs> what do you got between Texas and Penn State? Mm, Penn State uh minus two. Are you whispering for any particular No, reason? Penn State minus two. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So it just seems to me that High State has the better win. High State has the second better win. This idea that the worst loss is meaningful, just I've never heard it before. But it's the eye test. When you look at the games against Maryland, when you what about against, Army? What about what about Nebraska? A game that they already knew that they had to start winning decisively, and it's thirty six thirty one against a team. That so now we're going to Fezzik style. We're going to pick at what? What was but the you're final at home in the game? Thirty six thirty one. I mean, you know, listen, I think to me, I always thought winning was what mattered. Like, I never really have heard this, how much you even win by. But then why was Ohio State so hell-bent? And you guys talked about it last week. Ohio State Because we style know the points. system is corrupt. Well, okay, so you knew you were going to need style points. Did you and get we, it? You're yeah. up 24 to 21 in the oh, game. Oh, 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 here we are. We're going to arbitrarily 24 pick 21, a point. late third quarter. So what about Texas? How late was Texas leading against Oklahoma? Don't we want to point to that point in the game? How late were they leading? Yeah. They weren't. They were leading in the first half. They weren't leading. Oh, so, the, oh the first half doesn't matter, but well, it, it does. Game, it does. And late in the second half. Yeah. Tie game halfway through. Here's the thing. You already knew Oklahoma won by 12. You knew that you had to be impressive because you were the standalone were, game. I cashed basically. my buck. I take it. So who covered the spread by more? 
You got how, when'd you get that okay. last touchdown? So wait, Brad, so the spread it. by definition. Couple minutes left. The spread by definition. Now the late touchdowns don't. That's matter. the only one that covered. He just said he covered. He cashed his ticket. Well, he didn't get that touchdown to cover until late. Ohio State covered by one more point. Exactly. So more. Yes. So more. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it is based upon Saturday's action. Ohio State exceeded expectation more than Oklahoma. No. But, but, <laughs> this is simple math. Avenging your only loss is key. When you're playing a team from the other half of the division, that's, I mean, not even, I mean, this is Northwestern. There was somebody else, you know, and maybe they had one. But or that two the line assumed it was Northwestern. RJ, right. here's the thing. You're an Ohio State fan. At the yep. end of the day. Hey, you're an Ohio State hater. No, I'm not. I, oh, I, come on. I ju- you just asked me who I would have, Georgia or Ohio State. I love Georgia, but I would have Ohio State. You know why? Because they had one loss. Georgia had two, and Georgia controlled their destiny, should have beat Alabama, didn't all right, close all it all out. Right. Too bad. I'm going to take off the, uh, my, my analytical hat and for 10 seconds put on my fan hat. All right, Brad, announced today, taping Tuesday, Urban out after the Rose Bowl. We have a disagreement, and again, let's make this one quick, about the effect for the Rose Bowl. So, one, what did the market do? Two, what do you think? Yeah, market basically says it's a positive for the Buckeyes. The line yesterday before the news broke had Ohio State favored by five. After the news broke today about Urban Meyer leaving, going to be his last game as head coach for the Buckeyes, market now says Ohio State is six-point favorite. And you agree with that? I do agree. I think, look, I thought Ohio State would be motivated to play in the Rose Bowl. Why not? The Buckeyes never play in the Rose Bowl. Only the third time they've done it in the last 35 years. But now it's Urban Meyer's last game. The guy that recruited you, go all out effort. I think it's a positive. I disagree, and obviously I disagree with the market, too, so I'm uh, probably an underdog here. Enough to bet it? Well, soon enough. Right. I want to see that line keep going up, 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 up. Well, you might not have a bet then. Oh, well, you, so you mean that you won't bet this at the You're telling me right now you won't bet. You're so sure, but you won't bet it at the market price at any oh, point. Oh, it's seven and a half. I won't. So you're saying you like it, but not really if the market likes I, it. I love it right now at the current number. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, so one thing that we've... Agreed to. We're not going to like It'll try go to, to seven bait. two RJ. Not I that we're going to try to bait seven. people into bets. I got it. You'd like to bet it now. Yep. I'll press the green button if I want to bet. Okay. Not I won't. All right. <laughs> hey, how about I'll bet you? You know, we could do that all day. In fact, Maddie, I had to put the had to stop him from that because I mean, as the vig, he was looking for all kind of angles. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's red faced. He's like he he's right. Here's my theory. If you're a senior, if you're leaving as a junior, I think you're right. Let's go out urban together. But I think everyone else, urban went into their bed or into their living room and said, let's do something. I'm going to take, you know, looked at the mom, the dad in the eye and said, I'm going to get your son graduated. I'm going to get you, make your son a man. I'm going to win some football games. I'm going to max his chance to make the NFL, whatever. It was some variation of that. And where's urban next spring? He's gone. And to me, the idea of the abandonment of this, because you think Urban was going in saying, I might be here a year, I should tell you ahead of time. I never heard that leaking out. So I do think with the non-last game guys that there's going to be a sense he's leaving us. And I wonder how that balances with let's go win one for the Gipper. Ken, thoughts? I think because it first time it's his first Rose Bowl ever in his career, so I no, think that's, that's going to yeah, I think that's going to play a part, and I think for, for you know, his motivation. But it's it's, it's we're, yeah, well, we're back to but we're back to uh, old school Rose Bowl, what it should be, Pac twelve, Big Ten, it's what it should be, and for Ohio State to bring their fans out from the nice cold over there in Ohio out to Pasadena. You know what? I'm talking about the play. I know. I'm fired up. If I'm, if Urban Meyer's a guy, because we've seen him go down several times during games where he's holding his head, where it's, but then he wasn't holding his head when they were winning though. I'm just saying, we're we're messing, but we're messing with medical reports and what we don't know. We're thinking maybe he's, maybe there's, he's getting out of there. A lot of people think he'll resurface within less than two years somewhere else. And maybe he will, but right now, I think the odds, if he does that, it's NFL. I think if he goes to another college, he'd take a lot of reputational hit to me. but I Unless think, there's a medical report that says, hey, the cysts are cleared oh, up he's now. He's magically right? cleared up, yeah. right? Okay. I don't think 20-year-old kids, alpha males that feel indestructible are particularly sympathetic to you know the old white guy's health issues, right? So to some degree, I do think that there's a um, 
I mean, listen, I don't blame. In fact, if I were these kids, I'd be the same way. You told, I mean, I, I mean, Fez, if some, if I told you, Hey Fez, let's go on a five year adventure and here's our goals at the end in a year and a half in, or, or, you know, again, this is about what year these kids are, right? Cause he's been, but if, if, if I'm talking about the kids he recruited, let's say two years ago, if two years in, if I'm saying I'm going to be there for all five for you is my plan and I'm leaving and it feels like a choice. What, how are you responding? You're thinking, why are you leaving me in alert? Here's what I can tell you for sure, Fez, is from my perspective, everything with pregame up to this point has been a prelude, meaning it's all been about putting ourselves in position with the technology, with our community, with our you know digital verticals like this podcast, like the Fox show, to be ready for, quite frankly, huge rev- revenue opportunities that weren't there before. And what do we do? We take that revenue and put it back in the company. To me, whatever's happened in these five years, I would expect, and, and this is what ends up happening with a company that does it right, and hopefully we will, you'll grow you know, 50%, 50%, maybe 70%, and then one year you grow 3X, and the next year you grow 7X, because you do get that scaling. There is that scaling that can happen at the sweet spots. So to me, I'm as committed to this future as I could. I'm more excited today than I've ever been. But let's say that was my pitch. And then I fell short of that. To me, the normal self-interested players are going to care. It strikes me. Maybe I'm wrong. The market's saying I'm wrong. That's why there's chocolate and vanilla ice cream. And by the way, that's why you can bet both sides of it. And Brad, I'm going to bet when I'm good and ready. All right. Maybe at the end of the podcast, hint, hint. <laughs> unless I'm gonna give you good, a better not, unless I'm gonna give you a better number. You give so. me seven? Yeah, I'll give you seven. All right. RJ, but you're Let's do it. I think you're anticipating that these kids are thinking that Urban Meyer's lying to him about his medical condition. I, who knows what even Urban Meyer's saying about his medical condition? He said it in the press conference with the sis. That's I a mean, best bet, RJ. Oh, your yours is the best bet? Yeah. And what's the current market? Six. All right. Yeah. All right. Take it. Good luck. Oh, th- thanks. <laughs> I mean, you do realize that if you win or you lose, you just took the worst of it. Not just because of the line, but because going from six to seven isn't where you could have, you could lay 110 right now for all you want your whole net worth at six minus 110. Seven at, for $500 at even money is a worse bet. I know. All right. I think what's illustrative about this is there's two debates, really. One is what is the true reaction of the players? And the second debate is what is the marketplace reaction to this news? And frankly, as soon as the news hit, I ran out. I'd already bet Ohio State. I ran out and bet more Ohio State minus five, not because I necessarily agreed with either one of you on in terms of how the players will react, but I felt strongly that this was a good story, a good narrative that this would make the Buckeyes players turn it up to 11 and that this spread would keep moving higher. So you're saying you disagree with me? Yeah. No, well, I'm that's... saying the market disagrees. Okay. So, and, and, and again, that's something. Let's do this. Let's segue into Brad's best bet. I didn't know that but I'm fine with it. And right now the market price Buckeyes by six and Brad, your best bet is Ohio state. Ohio state minus six in the Rose bowl. So forget the urban Meyer news right now. I was already looking to fade Washington to begin with. Keep in mind last week on this podcast, I gave out Washington on a best bet. I won with Washington, but I couldn't have been less impressed with the Huskies in that game against Utah. Couldn't find, couldn't, didn't even try to kick a field goal when they had four or five scoring opportunities. That's a negative. If you, if you want to put points on the board against the Buckeyes, nothing down the field. That's Ohio State's weakness on defense is giving up the big play. I don't think Washington's capable of the big play. And on top of that, as a conference, as a whole, Pac 12 is by far the worst power five conference. Where do we see it? Shows up in bowl games each year. How about two and 13 against the spread the last 15? Already looking to fade Washington to begin with. And of course, I mean, Urban Meyer news positive. Urban Meyer, 79% against the spread in bowl games, 73% against the spread. Extra time to prep. Give me the bucket. So what's your power rating saying this game? 7.5. So 7.5 on a neutral. Mm -hmm. I've been about a couple points higher on the market on Ohio State the last three, four games. RJ Pac-12 also 1-10 against the Big Ten the last 11 bowl games. So I actually, 
do you think that the trends of, of conferences matter? And meaning it's a negative here for me with Washington because the teams play such a heavy percentage of their games in conference. And it reminds me of one of my favorite stories. I like to tell it once a year. I'll give the succinct one is I was mighty good at Tacmo, Tacmo baseball. A lot of people don't remember that. I was very good. There was a guy that lived up on the hill. So there was a little town with 4,000 people I grew up in. No stoplights, one Dairy Queen, but it was it was closed from October. That was a mega till, city compared till, to Brad. Till Mar- <laughs> yeah, we had out, you know, we had, uh, you know, plumbing and such. <laughs> but there was guys that lived up on the hill, which was like a seven, eight minute ride. They'd get bust in and come in from the hills. We called them hill jacks. I'm not sure if that's a fair phrase, but that's what they were called. Haystack might have been up that way, right? And we were talking about Tecmo baseball and this guy up on the hill said, uh, oh, I'm so good at Tecmo baseball. So I talked him into like, uh, you know, some, I might've been back then like a $20 bet or whatever. Like I was 22, 23. And first inning was the, mer- or like literally the second inning mercy rule, right? It was like 10, nothing, 15, nothing. Next game, it's mercy rule. He drops the control and goes, I've got to get off the hill more. <laughs> so, Cause he was the best guy on the hill. Right. And if, if the pack 12s playing each other and they are, let's say a level below other conferences that isn't perceived by the market, their records or stats, it's all going to be inflated. And let's be candid. If you look at Washington's game against Auburn in hindsight, that doesn't look great. No, it doesn't. I trust the Washington coach mm. to me. This is, uh, you know, he's one of the five best coaches in football, I think. Would you agree with that? So I think if I wasn't getting my point, I'd wait. I'm getting my point. I'm feeling pretty good. Love Chris Peterson, but there's a talent issue here. We see in each last two bowl games, as good as Chris Peterson is, couldn't overcome it and cover against Alabama. Nick Saban couldn't overcome it against Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl last year. Well, I I would ask this question, how motivated is Ohio State, because the reality is those kids had to think they were getting in as much as we could say. And Fez, you showed me the odds at Pinnacle. We were talking about it before the on Sunday. It was what? Minus a thousand Oklahoma. On, on Oklahoma. Oklahoma yeah. So we could say, oh, Oklahoma was expected. I, I doubt those Ohio State kids were looking yeah. at the Pinnacle lines. To me, it feels like it's a confluence. I mean, if you really think about it, you've made your case and I think it's a valid point. In, in 10 seconds, my case would be the coach is leaving when he wasn't, when he committed to stay, and they could have been in the playoffs and they're not. Like, so I think this is a fascinating game. RJ, right? when you look at Ohio State, too, remember the, the Texas Oklahoma game was the earliest game, and they knew, you know, basically if Oklahoma struggles, that they're good, and they're watching Texas win that game. They're probably high fiving each other, watching, going, oh, we got this. And lo and behold, Oklahoma not only comes back, but when they get that last touchdown, I think that was key, too. I think if Oklahoma only beats Texas by five as opposed to 12, yeah, which is it's back, a big difference. Which is back to the idea of margin not mattering. All right, so, Ken, real quick, on this game, lean or like right now? Oh, I, I love Ohio State. You love Ohio State? I love State. Ohio State, yeah. Mm, interesting. What do you, uh, Fez, real quick with you? Oh, so you've already bet the Buckeye. Are you looking to hedge out? Oh, absolutely. Where, where do you get, if you had to make a bet, where's this line um, close? I think you're going to, it's close six and three quarters. I think you get plus seven. And I think that this is a great example, RJ. Nothing has really. But plus seven minus 120. Or something. No, I'll get a plus seven in town. Well, you have sure. 29 outs. Okay. Yeah. But you're not going to get a plus seven plus a hundred. I don't think so. So you're saying I, even with your 29 outs, the Brad just gave me a number that you won't be able to match. Whoa, you know what? I, is that a yes? You want to bet it's, that? It's a Ooh. no. It's what? a it's a no. There will be a book in Nevada that will be plus seven, plus one hundred for sure. Wait, so you just said the line's going to close six point seven five? I did, but, but you think a book's going to be at seven point? Uh, well, really, like seven point four? I do. One at least one book in Maddie, Nevada. Let's get your advice. Where do you think this closes? Because I want to bet him on this. I think seven's a safe closing number on this, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it's plus seven minus twenty. That's what I'm saying. So you're saying like not, you're saying like 6.7 or actually in that case, like 6.9 or whatever. Yeah. Around there. So would you do, you, what are the odds you think that there's going to be a seven plus a hundred in town? I think it's Which is really 20 possible cents because there's some, there's some really square books. Yeah. Nevada, and yeah. I could certainly, Ohio state is, we can all argue who should win or should Ohio state been in. No one can argue that Ohio state's the public side here against Washington. Yeah. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. 
Now back to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Any opinion on the game right now? No, not really. I, I do say this, that the one spot where the Pac-12 tends to at least put in an effort is in the Rose Bowl. That's a Pac-12 location there. There's some Pac-12 pride around that parade and that game and that event in stigma, period. They tend to put an effort in that spot. Now, to me, the last thing I'll say on this game is actually, Fez, this is a good segue to your point, which is the idea that because there's so much time between the bowls being announced and many of the games, the later games especially. One, I'm a big fan. Bet early if you really like something. I would I mean, when I start looking on game day and I'm looking at your picks, Brad's, Ken's, all the info I've got, I'm thinking, man, I wish I had like it's plus three and it was five and a half. And it, it feels like the moves are the sharp the college bowl moves are sharp, sharp, sharp. Not in every case, but they move more. And usually those moves win. Would we agree? You're nodding on radio fast. You want to? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because they're mainly informa- information based. You got players sitting. You got, you know, motivational issues, coaches leaving. So a lot of it's just strictly information based. A lot of these moves. Okay. So l- lines move. Fez, you've got a theory that that one of the drivers of the moves are narratives or storylines that you're hearing on SportsCenter and such. How can the listeners take advantage. Yeah, there's two types of line moves. One is the news breaks and it just dissipates. People keep talking about it in mainstream media for weeks and weeks. That's an example with Urban Meyer in Ohio State. Nothing is going to change between now and the bowl necessarily, yet people are going to talk about how motivated Ohio State is so that that spread keeps going up. Contrast that to some other bowls where there's going to be some players suspended, some real reasons for some big line moves. In that case, I think those line moves tend to be much sharper. So the theory is come a certain day, a day or two of the game, the average batter looks at the game and says, oh, geez, yeah, I think Urban Meyer is going to be. I agree with Brad. My name is <laughs> Freddie Fanny Pack. I think Urban Meyer is going to have the troops roared up. And maybe the line is seven at that point. He says, oh, yeah, I'm going to lay it. They're not thinking, oh, what was the line at the time the news was announced? It's just a matter of they're betting on that story that they heard a bunch. But the, it's already built into the number, but then it runs because they're, bet, they're late money's following the storyline. The late money is late to the party and too late to get any value. Yes. So cautionary tale, don't be the late money. Okay, next game, and we're going through the games now. You know, we'll do Army-Navy last. So that's Saturday's game. We got Brad's best bet, the Ohio State University, a $500 bet. Let's go to Matty Holt. He is, listen, you know he likes this game because why else would he possibly pick it? UAB, Northern Illinois. I'm laying the one and a half points here with the Blazers and the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh <laughs> Look, hey, money's money, right? You want to pick sexy? Do you get paid more for picking the Rose Bowl than the Boca Raton Bowl? Absolutely not. The job here is to pick games that are going to win. And I think this is a huge motivational mismatch in this game. And you talk to guys that bet bowls every year, they're going to tell you that motivation is the most important factor in predicting the outcome of these games. And we have a team here in UAB who wasn't even a team two years ago. They weren't even in D1 college football. Now, last year, they go to a bowl this year, win the Conference USA, go to the Conference USA championship game, beat Middle, Middle Tennessee as an underdog for the Conference USA title to move to 11-2 and two on the season, now looking for their 12th straight win. This team, 9-4 and four against the spread this year, 29 points a game, only giving up 17.3 points per game, the UAB Blazers. And on the other side, we have a Northern Illinois team that still gets some public notoriety for how they play played seven or eight years ago, but last year's bowl game lost 36-14. 2016, no bowl game. 2015, lost 55-7 to in the bowl game, Northern Illinois. 2014, lost 52-23. to Historically, lately, Northern Illinois, not at the same level they were 10 years ago, goes to bowl games, unmotivated, gets blown out. This UAB team couldn't be any happy to be here. First time Conference USA champions UAB. I think they're the motivated team. They're the team still happy to be playing football. They get this one done easy as a pick'em. 
That's a professional. What I was laughing at was the way you were going to your announcer's voice going in the Boca Raton ball. <laughs> it's like a right, like a old wrestling announcer yeah. going, we've got hacksaw Jim Dugan up against Salvatore Belomo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any thoughts on this game? Yeah. Two reasons why I agree with Maddie here. UAB was just happy to be at a bowl game last year. It showed, got crushed. That won't be the case. This was one of the most experienced teams in the country. That negative I would say performance last week is a positive for this year, like UAB. I like UAB as well. And let's go back two weeks ago. UAB was playing Middle Tennessee State, and UAB had already wrapped up their spot in the conference finals. They mailed that game in. So even as good as the stats Maddie read, that includes, I believe they lost 27-3 to at Middle Tennessee State, knowing that game was meaningless. They played Middle Tennessee State that next week, and they won that game, which meant something. This 11-2 and team is really, in my eyes, 11-1. and yeah, and this Northern Illinois team, they're not going to sneak up on UAB with their offense. They're a team known for defense. Here they are getting blistered by Buffalo 29 to 10 in the MAC championship game. Buffalo lets their guard down. And what does Northern Illinois do? Things that they don't normally do. They throw a couple long passes, get behind the defense, and they come back and win it 30 to 29. So UAB will have that film. They'll look and they'll say, look, we're going to score our points. This defense not as good as everybody's built it up to be. And they're not going to sneak up on us and make a comeback like they did against the Bulls. And let me say this, Maddie spent literally behind the counter many years and billions of dollars of bets at plus 110. When he's laying 110, you can be pretty sure he's got the best of it. Speaking of that, Maddie is a staple on the NFL Dream Preview out every Thursday. If you're not subscribed, subscribe. If you haven't listened, guys, we are 64% in the Super Contest Gold and we're in it. We lost Monday night. We would have been right there. We're still in it. Still in it. Just have to have one of those five and oh, baby. We started three and oh, finished three and two. I try to talk you guys off the Steelers, but we'll be talking about that later. But very strong, obviously. And if you haven't listened to the NFL, you can get that. And Maddie always picks. Okay. Next one. Fez, your best bet. I'm going to say Blossom for Ken. You've got, oh, the big matchup. Let me try it in Maddie's voice. In the Bahamas Bowl (laughs) in Nassau, Bahamas. You probably had some connections in Nassau, right? Back in the day. Still do. Toledo minus six against Florida International. What a game, Fez. And I'm on Florida International. By the way, I used <laughs> to course. think I used to think plus six Florida International. I used to think they were like in Havana with that name, but no, they're in they're in South Florida. And now, did you really think that? No. So you were trying to be funny? I was. Do you think it worked? No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Bananas. Two reasons I like Florida International. Uh, they just lost a, a very close game to end the season where they outgained their opponent. They lost by three. So I always like a bowl team that's coming off a loss, goes ahead and gets everyone super motivated to finish the year with the win. Contrast that with Toledo. Back-to-back blowout wins for Toledo. So here's a team from Northern Ohio with back-to-back blowout wins that earns a trip to the Bahamas. This is a reward trip for Toledo. And I got a question combining them, them having fun in the Bahamas and them having to play in 80 degrees against a team from South Florida advantage, Florida international, Florida international plus six best bet. So to me, I want to touch on a couple of macro, like this is kind of like handicapping 101 stuff for college. And one is motivation matters massively. And we, and, and really, how do you define that? Is how excited are these players to be here? Just if you can gauge that, you've got it for the most part. And people don't realize these bowls are a big endeavor. Right? I was lucky enough. My best buddy was with Kansas when they were at the Orange Bowl in 2008. I went down, spent, I think maybe four days. They had been down there a couple of days before. It's like a week on the bigger bowl, but bigger bowls, people are excited, but even five days or whatever in San Antonio or whatever. So that increases the chance that teams that, let's say, had higher aspirations by come game time, they just want to get home, right? But also, if it's a place where there's a lot of distractions, Hawaii, et cetera, 
then I think motivation means even more. Or you could even get into discipline. Is this like a academy team? Is this a team with a hard-ass coach? They're probably more disciplined, right? If you have a loosey-goosey program and there's reason they're not motivated and it's in a place with a lot of distractions, obviously that's a perfect storm, but that's some of the factors. How well, how much ebb and flow does this team have with motivation in general? How disappointed are they? And how much distraction is there? I think some key factors, Brad. No, no doubt about it. And in this particular instance, as far as Fez's best bet, we have a veteran coach for FIU and Butch Davis. Should be a business trip buttoned up. Toledo's got a younger head coach right around 40 years old. Bowl game was a very bad look for Toledo last week. I, I think you're right on top of the motivation edge for FIU in this one. And uh-oh, uh-oh, really? Matty Holt actually got up to grab the green button. <laughs> so what are you thinking, Matty? Well, I mean, just looking at the Bahamas Bowl overall, Conference USA representatives 0-4 all-time in this against the spread in this bowl. What we've known every year is this is CUSA versus the MAC, and every year CUSA 0-4 against the spread here. Everyone's jumping on FAU because they had the big year. Everyone likes to coach. They beat FAU and Lane Kiffin, who's the great evil villain of CUSA. So we beat Lane Kiffin. But historically, this says... CUSA fails in this spot. So I'm not sure that it's suddenly I want to jump all over FIU. I'm going to go ahead and push it. You want to push it against me? No, I'm pushing it against Fez. Well, I, I love FIU. I'm with Fez. I'm on the Fez train. <laughs> right. love it. Yeah. Hope's coming in strong. You got to give the big credit, man. He's not afraid so that, of that. That's 700. Uh, no, because we do. Oh, that's nine. Right? Oh, that's true. No, no, no. You, you two will be a two hundred. It's not your best bet. Okay. So you guys will be two, and that's five, yeah, seven. Yeah. I mean, he's cheaper than last week. He didn't even blank. I, you got to give the big credit. I just hope he. I just hope long term comes around because I always feel like he. I'll be honest. You watch line wise, we if we would say we were grading by expected or closing line value. The Vig would be wearing a T-shirt right now because he had to sell his clothes. Come on, be honest. Well, the NFL you can side. say whatever anybody wants. <laughs> I'm up two thousand seventy dollars on the NFL pod. <laughs> Make all the excuses why I'm up. And I'm half up. of that was a Carolina bet that you didn't even want. <laughs> oh my god! The funny thing was, as you remember. His second best pick come yes. Friday was the opposite. <laughs> the Vic seems to win every which way. I don't understand it. Everybody pays the Vic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know, speaking of the macro handicapping stuff, Dave Malinsky, rest in peace, an alum of this pod. He was the one that really led me to understand this one. Young teams that are surging as in there's a sense of it's a growing program. They love the extra practices. And it's like they want to practice. Because remember, these teams that are disappointed, how many of them do you wish not only would want to spend six days in San Antonio or wherever, but they got it. How many extra practices are there, Brad? 15. You think they want to hit 15 more practices? They're not making any, any they're getting nothing out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Except the chance to get hurt. Right, which we've seen, obviously, big players sitting out. Yep. But if you got a young, like, let's say Nebraska had made a bowl. Oh, I'd have been all over Nebraska. Because that phenomenon of we're surging, boys, can mean a lot. Is there any team that jumps out at you there, Brett? Ooh, I haven't looked at that yet, but I do want to bring this up. I think you're, this instance, as far as this macro handicap, is going to be, I would say, even bigger this year because a lot of these players, young players, can play. And the freshmen, you don't lose a year of eligibility because of the new redshirt rule. A lot of these guys that haven't played all year, extra 15 practices, maybe they're surging, didn't want to play them at the end of the year. Now you can a bowl game, 15 extra practices. I think that macro level is even bigger this year. For the younger teams. The younger teams. teams. Do you think some coaches play more youth just because they don't care. I mean, they want to win, but they'd rather get them reps in big games. I think that's Or even happen. in the prep where given more snaps to the back, you know, you got a senior quarterback, get more snaps to that backup just because, hey, it's like a, a second spring ball. We're going to have at least three or four of these cases in the bowl games. And obviously we'll be doing future podcasts. We'll have no more information. Every, by the way, guys, every week, all the way up through the BCA or <laughs> up to the playoffs and to the finals every Wednesday. By the way, it's time. 
don't know about the future, that's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil, I give you a piece of my mind. Go, can go. All right, I'm going to go with South Carolina and a little luster off this because Debo Samuel is not going to play. But I still like the way that Jake Bentley's throwing the football. And I like the way that, uh, you know, I even in a loss to Clemson, again, it's, it's a rival. It's an in-state rival. It's a great Clemson team. And it's a good, solid Clemson defense. And for Bentley to throw for over 500 yards in the game, look, people say, look, they were losing the game. But they were right in that game. And if you had the plus 26 and a half, you never really sweat as far as against the spread. I think South Carolina is more physical than Virginia. I like what Bronco Mendenhall is doing, but their offense is rather stagnant. And in their last two games, both on the road, struggled against Georgia Tech, struggled against their arch rival Virginia Tech. In fact, if it wasn't for Virginia, those two teams probably wouldn't have even made a bowl game. So I really like South Carolina. I think that Muschamp's got this team going in the right direction. I do think, you know, same thing with Mendenhall has Virginia going in the right direction, but I don't think they have as many offensive weapons. I like Perkins. He's a good young quarterback. At the end of the day, I still think South Carolina takes care of business, wins this game by seven or more thoughts i'm indifferent on this one uh i look virginia i thought different or you see both sides i see both sides to this one i really worry about debo samuel keep in mind debo samuel the wide receiver south carolina is going to sit this one out had more than 200 yards receiving against clemson in their final game that's a major loss a point point and a half uh, downgrade for South Carolina. I, I I don't disagree with that, but you have three other weapons there. You got Brian Edwards, you got Chief Smith, and you have Pollard. These are three offensive players, I think, that are better than any offensive player than Virginia has, except for Perkins. Anything, Matty? I'm with Ken here on this one of South Carolina. This was a team a lot of people picked to maybe be that surprise team in the SEC this year, which we ended up seeing was actually Kentucky and LSU. But a lot of people prior to the season said, Will Muschamp has this thing turned around and it's going to be the year of South Carolina. Didn't quite happen. Bentley had some injuries throughout the season. They never really got rolling, lost a couple of tough games. But I think the extra practices are going to help them and, and fully healthy. This is a really good football team that had high expectations preseason in Virginia we saw down the stretch they they played way above expectations early they certainly far pl- played far below expectations late including losing the game to Virginia Tech I, I think Virginia was happy to make a bowl I think South Carolina is looking to make a statement I certainly if I'm if I'm playing I'm laying Ken Thompson what is that's your best bet what's your best bet record Nine and three, I believe now, because I was corrected last week to drop to eight and three. But my under in the Boise State Fresno game still won by 19 points despite the game going into overtime. Brad, what's yours? Yeah, nine and three is good, Ken, but not (laughs) quite 11 and three. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right, guys. The two college experts, 20 and six in front of the world for you, free. Do us a favor. Give Brad. A little love. Give Ken a little love. Retweet this pod. Go to at RJ in Vegas. It's tweeted. And tweet it out. Just RT it. Say thank. And just maybe put thank you for the 20 and 6, boys. Or not. <laughs> it's up to you. We're still going to do it. All right. We got Navy or we got the uh, Saturday game coming up. First, though, Brad, we talked about this last year, but I think you really got some good data on it. Fez is looking at things saying, what's my record? Why didn't you, why didn't you, he actually just grabbed the paper and said, oh, wait, I'm seven and six. Why don't you say that's 0.4 units, RJ? That's not good enough. (laughs) Uh, About variance in bowl games. Yeah, bowl games offer high variance. Why? Because you got different motivations. So define variance. Variance meaning in this case. Uh, in this case, if you're willing to bet the favorites, don't worry about money. Well, no, no, that's the. Uh, I'll define variance the way uh, what I'm trying to get. Okay. At. It means there's go- the the score. There's going to be a wide range of scores. Yes. Team could win by twenty. Could lose by twenty. It's going to vary more than a typical game, which me which means one thing. Go ahead. Uh, to your point, and and I and I love this because we've done this on the NFL pod. Is you know taking that you know seven, eight, nine point underdog and playing them on the prop bets minus thirteen and a half, like a plus, please or whatever. You actually see those in bowl games. If you go look at the odds that for the books that offered in Vegas, they'll be lower than at any time they were during a regular season or a Monday night football game because they know the the chances of that eight point underdog actually winning by fourteen are greater in bowl 
bowl games than they are in any regular season spot. So, wow. Great stuff there from behind the counter. The question is, my theory has always been, if you like the dog, don't be afraid to play the money line. Do you feel like that the pricing in the money lines is cheaper? They price the bowls on money lines similar to the Super Bowl. And, and people are going to say, what does that mean? So in most games, the money line and the spread start as a correlating factor. But in the Super Bowl, they quickly diverge because what normally happens is people will lay the points with the favorite on the spread, but they take the underdog on the money line trying to get the big hit. We also see that in bowl games, especially the popular bowl games. So similar to Super Bowl wagering in the popular bowl games, at least you see that divergence of the two markets between the money line and the spread. Hmm. So, but, but is that just on the bigger bowl games? That's going to have so much money that, that, that they, have to consider their risk on that, like on the money line specifically? More so than the smaller ones, yes. But I would agree that it's more in the bigger games. So how do you attack this if you like the dog, for example, uh, Brett? Well, quite simply what you were getting at, RJ. You know, don't be afraid to back the underdog on the money line. Look at last year. 19 covers for the underdogs. 16 of those underdogs won outright. Average cover, 13 points per game for those dogs. Jace, Jace. And then the favorites, don't be afraid. Forget the money line attacking it as a favorite. Just bet against the spread. Average cover for the 20 favorites last years in bowl games that covered, 14 points per game average cover. So one of the things, great data backing this up. One of the things I always say is sometimes there's a single handicap game. You answer this question, you've got your answer for the game, who you should bet. I think when it's motivationally, motivation is a big element of the handicap. That's the kind of games, if you're right, you're going to be way right. And if you're wrong, you are often way wrong. So I love the idea of more money line dogs. Don't even consider the money line for favorites and don't consider at all teasers. Because if you think about what teasers are doing, you're buying points. And what we're saying is, Points aren't worth as much mm. cause a higher variance. That's strong. All right. Good stuff, Brad. Great numbers. All right. Let's talk Army, Navy. Let's start with Ken Thompson. Well, I'm a Navy boy, so I'm going to be uh, leaning towards the middies a little bit. But here's the thing. I mean, this is Navy's bowl so, game. So you were in the Navy. I was. From- I was on. In fact, I was on an aircraft carrier. RJ, back in the day, if we're, there would have been a way to connect, because this is before cell phones. This is in the 80s. But I'm on an aircraft carrier. I'm the only guy getting the football scores 17 <laughs> hours ahead of everybody because we're out in the Indian Ocean on a carrier. So I'm seeing Sunday scores Saturday night. Boy, we could have cleaned up, man. No sex, no booze, no drugs. Our little roller is a purist. He's a goddamn <laughs> thoroughbred. All he cares about is the next hand. <laughs> that was good, man. I, I love it. All right, hit us, baby. All right, well, here's the thing. Kenny Niamatloho is, a, is an outstanding coach, and it's been a really tough year for Navy. He's not used to being well under 500, but they can make the season just by beating Army. And Army, as solid as they've been, covering six of the last seven in this series, this is the first time in a long time that they're favorites, I think since 2001. So all of a sudden, you got that target on your back. Instead of being the guy, the hunter, all of a sudden you're the hunted. And I think Navy's going to come to play. Again, they have a bowl game. They don't have a bowl game. Army's got a bowl game already set where they're a slight favorite. So they know they have two games. This is everything for Navy. I don't know if they win, but I'm taking seven points in the middies. Thoughts? Agree. I mean, I lean with Navy here as well. Ken mentioned first time Army's favorite in the rivalry since 2001. First time they've been laying this kind of number in the rivalry since 1991, laying the full touchdown. As bad as Navy's season's been, I can make a strong case that Navy's playing their best football this season. Three straight covers, nearly outright upset UCF, nearly outright upset Tulane in their last game, and almost and won and covered against Tulsa. Meanwhile, who in the hell has Army played in the last month? In fact, Army hasn't played an FBS team, an FBS team since November the 3rd. I think strength of schedule definitely favors Navy. They played a tougher schedule. So I think these are a lot, these two teams are a lot closer than what this line says. Give me Navy. But I, but I thought Oklahoma was so good. And Outside of Oklahoma, I mean, they play MAC teams, <laughs> FCS teams. I mean, I mean, at least Navy's in a significant conference, the, the American Athletic. 
And just from a pure, you know, handicapping perspective, as we look at games, anytime you have a total of 40 and a spread of seven, I think that that seven has extra value. When you're only expecting 40 total points to be scored, that seven has to carry extra weight. Brad, how many uh, straight under? Is it 12 straight unders in the series? 12 straight unders. But this this is the one year where it got priced into this total. This is the lowest total in the last 13 years. Yeah, and some information on that total. The last six times these teams have played, the total being dealt was much higher than 40. These teams scored 27, 38, 38, 27, 41, and 30. Why are these scores so low scoring? Well, it's all about the option. The option is a completely gimmicky offense. It's not optimal. If you just trained for it all year long, you would stop it. But teams can't stop it because they don't train for it all year long. So whenever Army plays a team like Houston, they keep scoring possession after possession, even against Oklahoma. But when Army and Navy play each other, they see it all year long, and the defense stuffs the run. Good stuff. Fezzik on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. Brad Powers is at Brad Powers 7. Ken Thompson, Sports X Radio, local bigwig here in the radio markets. And Maddie Holt at U.S. Integrity, a startup, a, a soon-to-be mogul, I think. This was a tight hour, guys. Great show. And I'm just going to leave with a thought from the Ohio State players to Urban Meyer. I think you're all in the head. We're 10 hours from the fun park, and you want to bail out. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.